Hey, Ed, come check out my North Star Christmas tree topper at Levitate's. Is this a gummy bear? Yeah, we lost baby Jesus. Hey, check out these LED lights. I have them synced up to a 76-hour all-Christmas music playlist. There's my little Christmas DJ. <laughs> <laughs> So, are you waiting till Christmas is over so you can go buy a new nativity set when they're on sale? Huh? No, no, oh no. We lost baby Jesus like 11 years ago. Is, is baby Jesus always a gummy bear? Oh, no, oh, we trade it out every year. Yeah, like uh, last year it was a uh, tiny troll doll. And the year before that, we used a dog treat. They were the perfect size, but <laughs> Dalton kept taking them and eating them. You, you mean your dog kept stealing them? No, my son Dalton, he loves those dog treats. Especially the peanut butter ones. There was one year that we used a, uh, a doll head. That was creepy. We, we made a modeling clay, baby Jesus. The dog took that one, too. Um, one year, we got desperate and used an ice cube. That was a mess and a mess. Yeah, just seems like everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never lasts. Say that again. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. And? And what? Say it again, slowly. Why? Just do it, dulcimo, slowly, do it. I don't understand what's happening. Just do it. This is getting weird. Dang it! Fine, but when I'm done saying this, you're gonna march in here and you're gonna watch my star levitate. I'm fine, 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 do it. Fine. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to, oh, yep, there it is. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Does that guy's sweater bother anybody as much as it bothered me? I want to screenshot it and just send it to all of you and go, that's weird, man. It is great to have you with us this weekend. Hope you're enjoying and finding some peace and rhythm in the middle of this holiday season. If you weren't with us last weekend, we're, Josiah and I are taking a, just three weeks and we're talking about what Christmas is all about. Not simply about uh, the people in the story, but what it means for each one of us Today it's interesting because I told you, I told our crowd last weekend that we were going to kind of talk about the three R's of Christmas, right? And so last weekend it's Christmas is really all about resur resurrection. And today I was able to go to my granddaughter's little Christmas program in her preschool. And uh, I wish I would have had a picture to show you. She is, the kids are all into it. And she's just standing there watching and I find out later it's because she told her mom, well, this really isn't a Christmas program because we're not singing Rudolph. So I guess for her, Christmas, her R is Rudolph. And uh, she was out on Christmas. Because if you don't get Christmas right, you won't find any life, you know? If you see it as a one-time event to celebrate other than an experience to invite it, be invited into, you miss the power of Christmas R. Our passage that we're using over these next three weeks is the words of the prophet Isaiah, spoken 600 years before Jesus came. Isaiah 52, it says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, he carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And come on, somebody, by his wounds we are, we're healed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, that Christmas is bigger and deeper and richer than simply a day to celebrate, but an experience that radically transforms our life. I'm grateful, Lord, that I can identify with the resurrection power of Jesus not only in his death, but even in his birth. And I know I can identify with what we talk about this day. And so I would just pray over the next just 12 minutes that you would speak deeply into our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is the part of this verse. It's the reason that I put this little series together. You know, the cool thing about the Bible is if you read it enough, It's like a diamond with many facets, and you'll see something you've never seen before. He was despised and rejected by men. Rejected. Young, old, rich, poor, black, white. Male, female, we all understand rejection. In fact, most academics would say that at the core of any woundedness in our lives is an experience with or the fear of rejection. I know it doesn't sound very happy. It wouldn't make a great Christmas card, but Christmas is really all about rejection when you think about it. The story of Jesus is not simply a few details that gets to a cross where he is rejected and ultimately killed. His entire life is about rejection. The king in the region where Jesus is born puts him at the top of a kill list before he's six months old. And hundreds of little babies are killed because this king so rejects the notion of Jesus entering this planet. You think about Jesus and his family, have you thought about how little we know about Joseph? Has anyone other than me ever wondered what happened to Joseph? Joseph isn't there at the performance of Jesus' first miracle. It's his mom who's there. It's Jesus' mom who sends his brothers out to try to bring him back into the fold. Not his father. 
And at the cross, it's his mother who he's needing someone to take care of, obviously because his father has chosen to or is not able to be around. And if you've ever experienced at any level a father wound, an inability of a father to give a son what he needs the most, when he needs the most, and the lies that we start to believe as a result of that father wound. You can begin to understand that rejection is it's a mark of his life. Speaking of family, his brothers come when his ministry explodes and they come to take him away because they think that he's lost his mind. If you enter this holiday season in the midst of a divided family, you know what Jesus feels in the pain of that breaking of a, of a family paradigm in his life. His own family rejected him as Messiah. You think about this story of him going back to his hometown, kind of local boy, does good. Anybody ever kind of gone back to their hometown later in life? You know what I mean? And he walks in and he begins to speak in the synagogue, doing exactly what he was created to do. And what do they say about him? Who does he think he is? Isn't this Mary's kid? I mean, again, it doesn't make the headlines in our church Christmas pageants and we forget that like we we read the story through the end of the story and we forget that Jesus reputation was an illegitimate child nobody in town was going well that was a supernatural event that only happened one time in history they just thought Mary had gotten knocked up when she wasn't married and they wouldn't they couldn't see Jesus the way he was called to be seen he was Rejected by people who had claimed to love him. Those who had had his back stabbed him in the back. Anybody know what that feels like? You trust somebody. In fact, John 13 says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit when Judas came to sell him out. And he faces rejection from his father. Now see, you miss the power of the incarnation of God. The power of the story of Jesus if you dismiss his humanity. We have no trouble celebrating his deity. It's the humanity that trips us up. We try to excuse away real feelings of rejection by Judas, real feelings of disappointment when your own family thinks you've gone cuckoo la la. You know, in the pain, we dismiss it by saying, well, he was, yeah, but he was God. He knew it was coming. The power of the story, look at me, everybody, is that he was fully man. Don't miss him face. 
first in the dirt in the garden of Gethsemane, begging God to not make him do it. It's his humanity that makes the gospel real for you and me. And he hangs on a cross. This one whose life begins with rejection, that is littered with rejection, and he screams at the top of his lungs, My God, my God, why have you rejected me? You ever been in such intense pain that you have come to the conclusion that God has left you? That your prayers don't reach the ceiling? As we like to say here, like, like the Bible is true for everybody but you. Then you know not only what pain does to you, but you see what pain does to Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men. He understands the bitterness in your heart, the disappointment in your spirit. But the good news of the gospel, just one word. Don't miss the word from the prophet Isaiah. It's by his wounds, not simply at the cross, not simply the beat, the lashes on his body, the holes in his hands, but the woundedness of rejection. It's by his entering into that that we not were healed, but are healed. See, this is the good news for those of us who battle performance issues, which are driven by the need to be accepted, accepted by those of us who, because you know the end result of a fear of rejection. You know what it is, don't you? It's shame. Am I not good enough for you to love me? And because Jesus willingly entered in to that dark place of our world, he is the one uniquely qualified to speak in to the lies that we believe and the shame that we feel. You know, in our world today, when you think about it, the one most uniquely qualified, the one that your spirit is attracted toward in the midst of whatever, pick your pain, addiction, divorce, uh, disease, Mental illness. Pick your, pick your, whatever you want to pick. And the one uniquely qualified to have our ear is one who.
who experienced it themselves. I mean, the person that I'm looking for, when I find myself in a painful situation, is someone that can look at me and can finish my sentences. Because they've been where I've been before. And the place to embrace and to take those feelings of rejection and need to perform and the woundedness of the lies that we've become to believe and the shame we feel that results because of the woundedness that comes from rejection. The only place is to the baby born in Bethlehem that was rejected by his king and by his family and by his community and was stabbed in the back by a friend who he had trusted in and who ultimately felt such intense pain that he, he, he truly felt like God had forsaken him. That he is the one who is uniquely qualified to speak into those places that we can't find ourselves even able to speak about. By his wounds, not we were healed. We are being healed. When that wave comes again, and again, look, look at me, everybody. I, I don't care how old you are, how smart you are, how holy you are. If you're breathing, you will experience rejection at some level again. And you can either let the pain lead you to believe a lie that causes shame, that, in, that continues the vicious cycle, or you can take it to the only one. Who can do something about it. No wonder we sing. Oh come let us adore him. I'm grateful. That. Jesus loves me. I'm grateful that Jesus. Forgives me. I'm grateful that Jesus. Redeems me. But most of all I am grateful that Jesus adopted me. You know what the you know what the the beauty of adoption is? I don't know if there's anyone listening to me right now that's been adopted and but of the adopted people that I've ever talked to the 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 distinct advantage you have over those of us who were not adopted as physical children is my parents didn't pick me. They had me. Your parents picked you. The opposite of rejection is adoption. The power of the gospel and Jesus experiencing the very real rejection that so many, that all of us at some level have felt. 
is that God, is that God loves you right where you are. Not as you should be, because this side of heaven, you'll never be as you should be. And he picks you anyway. Christmas is about adoption and acceptance in a world that screams, you are not enough. Let's pray together. I'm just wondering, even in this moment, if even in this, this season of the year, you're, you're feeling, especially in your life, you're, you're feeling uh, the pain of this less than, rejected kind of thing. Maybe your marriage is blown up. Maybe one of your children has become prodigal. Maybe you lost your job. I don't know what it is, but this, like, this season you're, you're fighting rejection like you have any quite a while. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Can I pray for you? See, one of the things rejection does is it it's, says you're, you're the only one. Nobody else has ever been there. Nobody, But there are hands up in the room that I'm standing in this moment. There are hands all over this place. And it reminds me that That the work of the enemy is to separate and isolate, and yet the work of the king has always been to gather and to redeem. To take what the enemy meant for evil and to bring good. To leverage even the shame and the pain that we feel because of rejection by man and to pour power into a life that is fully accepted, fully loved by God. That I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I am accepted because you chose rejection to adopt me as your son, as your daughter. And so, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Just wherever you sit in this moment, whatever room you're in, just speak it out loud. Just, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Just tell them, thank you for accepting me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for wanting to be with me. That I am enough for you. Thank you, Lord. And, Lord, what the enemy meant for evil, I am believing in this moment you're going to bring for good. That it may look like I'm surrounded, Lord, but I'm surrounded by you. I am not alone. I am not powerless. I'm full of your power, Lord. I've got more strength than I think I have. You've adopted me. You believe in me. You're redeeming the broken, shameful things of my life. Turn them into beauty, Lord. You love me. You call me your son. You call me your daughter. Thank you, Lord, for surrounding us with your goodness. We're not alone. You are with us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.